Are, are we going to celebrate how accurate my Patriots Bills prediction was? I mean, I'm sure you're going to celebrate that. I've heard it. the video I did before the game. I might, I might, might, people might as well just watch that instead of the game. Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show. Week four is almost in the bag, so Matt Sherry, Ollie Hunter and Will Gavin will break it all down. We're going to admit to some things that we were wrong about. I'm not sure I'm going to do that, but Will and Sherry definitely will do. We'll have a look at all the other stuff and we'll go through potentially what's coming up from the London game earlier uh, later on this week. This is the Gridiron Show. Hello, Gridiron Show, Ollie Hunter in the studio, Sherry and Will looking at each other in um, various forms of dress. I don't know, I would rather not know. Um, I've lost my way in that opener, but hey, who cares? What are you going to do about it? Hello, guys. Hello, buddy. Hey, buddy. What's going on? Um, I was just looking at the games from this week because uh, we were looking to, to figure out what were what we were going to say in terms of the things we were wrong about. And trust me, I've got a few. But I didn't realise only the Saints, the Bears and the Giants won at home this week. A lot of road Three teams. home wins this year, this week. The rest of them all road teams. If anyone, by the way, has gone like anything higher than like 10 on the Gridiron Pick'em game this week, they're lying. Because it was a week where there were lots of upsets, and uh, yeah, a lot of them were uh, were pretty stunning and pretty enjoyable as well. Me and Ben Burke were on five in our against the spread. <laughs> <laughs> when we were top, we were top after three weeks as well. It's just so disappointing. <laughs> there you go. There's something you were wrong about already. Something we were all wrong about already. Bit of a rough week four, but a really like I think an exciting one and one where. There were a lot of things that you could look at and say, maybe we were a little early in going on that team. For example, with the Ravens, which I'm sure we'll get to, uh, you know, they played pretty damn well for a few weeks, but they they come up against a good defense. They've had it's happened to them twice, and they can just get shut down. So there's lots there's lots of ones where it's just maybe we've predicted a little too early on a team where they've played three bad teams or a couple of bad teams, or where they've just played really, really good teams. So there's lots of that going on, and I'm excited to chat about it. I think it's uh, week four might be my favourite week of the season as well, because I, I feel like I feel like now you've, you've got a decent sample size and you probably start to understand what each team is. Like me and Ollie doing the preview last week, I think thinking back, there were like maybe three or four teams where we were like, well, they're either this or they're that, and you know you could make arguments either way. But I think there's a lot more clarity on those yeah. teams now than than perhaps there was entering the weekend. I agree. I absolutely agree. Except for the Tennessee Titans, of course, who were permanent nine and seven. <laughs> yeah, play with your mind, crazy team. You don't know what is going to happen with those. Marcus Mariota actually looked really good, but he could look. Dog, nah. dog. The next week, it's um, it's weird. I've just looked, got Not my predi- it. I've just got my predictions up. I got four right, <laughs> <laughs> and there's some weird ones that I got right. I got the Jacksonville Jaguars. I got the Kansas City Chiefs, the New York Giants. For some reason, and now I remember, I didn't put anything for the Chargers Dolphins, so I didn't get the tie right on that. Um. What a weird week. What a weird week. Uh, right, who wants to start? Who wants to kick off with their something that they got wrong going into the season? I can do that. Uh, it's a mistake that I made last year, and I don't really know why I made it again this year. And that is thinking that Dan Quinn and the Atlanta Falcons could be a potential NFC contender. Um, I'll, I'll cross that one off my list then, because it was very high on mine. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, they've, they've lured me in twice. They lured me in last year, and then it was so unfortunate what happened to them with injuries to key parts of that defence last year that that I got pulled in again with it. and And ultimately, you know... I think we now just have to accept that the the soul of that team permanently resides on the turf of NRG Stadium, and it can never it can never be retrieved with 
with the current leadership in place? Because that is the only explanation. I mean, that or perhaps that Carl Shanahan is is the greatest coach in football. And and certainly Shanahan's loss was was a big one, but they've had three years now. And I think the sub-500 since that point, and it's easy to forget as well, they very, very nearly beat Philadelphia in a playoff game on the road the next year. Um, yeah, I, I, I think Atlanta need to start again. And the interesting part is, I actually think many of the people in the building and will do good jobs elsewhere, including I think Dan Quinn could be a good head coach elsewhere. But I just think that current mix in that building is not going to lead to success. And, and everything's on the table for me in Atlanta, whether it's Matt Ryan, who I would probably stick with and build around. But, you know, the, um, Dimitrov as well, I think, has done a good job. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if they clean house. I wouldn't be surprised if they just get rid of Quinn. But I just think in Atlanta now everything's on the table. It is true that in some systems the offensive line isn't as important. When you look at somewhere like New England, where obviously they've got incredible offensive line coaching, but when you get the ball out quickly, you don't necessarily need immense protectors on either side of you. Whereas there are other places, and we'll get onto the Vikings and Kirk Cousins in a bit, but Matt Ryan was what sacked five times, hit 11 times. There was no protection from the running backs. There was no protection from the tight end. The, the offensive line was all over the shop. And yes, the Titans look like they've got a decent defense. Deep, Dean Pease has, has got that unit humming. And I like on the offensive side of the ball, AJ Brown has had himself now two big games already this season. So there is stuff to like about this Titans team, but I just, there are certain teams where you need to focus on the offensive line and they just haven't done, or they've done a bad job of focusing on it. And uh, I'm afraid this Falcons team until they can keep Matt Ryan clean in the pocket for more than two seconds uh, are never going to be able to be uh, decent defenses. Sherry, you spoke about Dimitrov and um, I'm not sure that he has done a great job over the last couple of years because the, the, what made them great was Kyle Shanahan and um, and those mismatches, bringing Tevin Coleman. Keep and, praising Shanahan, boys. I'm loving it. Putting putting Coleman out against either um, linebackers or defensive ends or whatever. And it was those mismatches that created the opportunities and the spreading of that offense. They don't have that anymore. You know that Devontae Freeman and Ito Smith are basically north-south guys, pretty much. So you know that that is going to can be contained. There's nothing to the outside. Austin Hooper had a good, nice game against against the Titans, but they're they're predictable. They're, there's nothing that different about their offense from what it was at the NRG that that that, I, I, that particular time. So, I mean, I'm. I think that's why Demetrov himself, his own place is on the table. Though. I mean, I I I remember you know I'd, I'd written a thousand words of a piece on that Super Bowl about how. It was just so obvious that the biggest difference between the Falcons and the Patriots that night was talent. I mean, they were the most talented team on the field, and the, the outcome didn't change my view on that. They were they were loaded, and I think what was impressive about that Falcons team is is the manner in which the the manner in which the pieces that were brought in by Demetrov fit the scheme. You know, mm. I can just think of, of Taylor Gabriel, guys like that who were plucked for, from relative obscurity but were perfect for Shanahan. And then on defence, Keanu Neal and guys like that who so obviously fit that Quinn-Seattle-style defence. And, and that was impressive. But Demetrov, you're absolutely right. He's had two bad years since then. And the question is, do you do you accept that the overall body of his work in Atlanta has been very good. I think I still think it has been. Or do you look to make a change? I, I would. I would go to the to the former. I mean, you know, Bill Belichick has had two year stretches of bad drafting and picking up bad guys in free agency. I mean, it that just is the nature of the beast with with that job. I think so. I I think you accept that Demetrov is still a very good talent evaluator. I do think there's an argument that that. Not having Pioli around on the pro personnel side, things is is an issue, and I think they could do with another strong voice like that who he gets along with now that Pioli's out of the building. But I, I would stick with him. Now we we said we were going to be snappy this week, and we've already gone painfully long on a game which may not mean anything come the end of the season. Uh, so let's talk <laughs> about another game which I don't think is going to mean anything come the end of the season. But I'm going to hold my hands up and say that I was wrong that the Oakland Raiders can't be a competitive team this season. I want to be very clear on this. I said competitive, not good. 
competitive because you have to say the Colts without T.Y. Hilton, Darius Leonard, Malik Hooker, they looked really stripped back and threadbare. And they did have some problems on both sides of the ball because of that. But and, and again, I'm not going to praise John Gruden yet. What I am going to say is how impressed I've been with the talent that Mike Mayock has managed to cobble together. Not just the first round picks, and obviously we're missing the, the defensive back they, they picked up, but the guys that they brought in there were good. But we got Foster Moreau got his first t- uh, touchdown and looked decent. Terrell Williams has come in and genuinely looked like a, a, a number one receiver. You know, maybe not a top 10 receiver, but a number one receiver. Um, Trevor Davis was really good in this game. You know, they, they put... Derek Carr in the position to win this game and win it they did and and I have to say that coming into London at 2-2 two and two, I'm surprised and impressed. I think you've got to give Gruden some credit not least because I think he was in charge of personnel when Darren Waller was plucked from the, the the Ravens practice squad and he's been I mean you know it's it's more under the radar than Kyle Allen and Gardner Minshew but he's been one of the surprise packages of the of the season so far so I mean, I, I, I've been pretty high on what Oakland have done over both seasons so far. I mean, I still think they're ahead of schedule that they've ripped it up and completely started again. And, and there are some good signs there. I mean, the, 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 the issue for me long term for the Raiders will be that I'm not convinced that they can win big with Derek Carr. And it's exactly the same scenario yeah. we're seeing playing out in, I agree. in Minnesota. And I also think that when you have situations where the reason that Gruden is still yet to convince me, if you can name a defensive captain in Vontaze Perfect, who you know is an absolute liability, then things like him getting kicked out of the game yesterday are going to happen. That was an attempt for Gruden to be cute, and I think there's still a bit too much of that going on. Yeah, I, I think the interesting part with Gruden is how much Mayock can balance him. And me and Ollie actually discussed this in a pre-season pod about how you know it was weird that you had almost two conflicting ideologies and then this kind of shadow of what the Raiders ideology traditionally was in the Al Davis era. But in 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 at its best, that can create a situation where the two meld together and give you a nice middle ground between the two ethoses. But and that's what we've seen, I think, so far but the as you say, instances like Perfect uh, kind of go against that a little bit. Ollie, have you got a uh, something you said before the season that you're now regretting? Um, let me think. Uh, if you want to think, I've got uh, one I can throw No, no, out you chuck, a, chuck another one in. Okay, so mine covers a couple of games here because uh, mine kind of covers one of the games we've already covered, which is the Titans win over the Falcons, is that I thought after um, Andrew Luck went down that the Houston Texans were simply going to be the class of the AFC South. Well, the Jaguars are proving us wrong, and to an extent the Texans are proving us wrong in a game that... You know, when, the, you, when you restrict the Panthers to just 16 points with a rookie quarterback and you've got Deshaun Watson under centre, that's a game of football you should be winning. Uh, the, I mean, I, I, I thought the AFC South would be what it is. I mean, I think they're all two and two, aren't they? That doesn't surprise me. I, I just think there are, that division, they'll just take lumps out of each other throughout the year. I mean, it's just... It, it's the most interesting division in the league, but only because there's no clear standout team in that... They're all good teams. I'm not sure if there's a great team in that division. Um, I think the Texans have the biggest potential to be the great team, so I'd I'd agree with you on that. But you know, there's still there's still a ways to go, and the way Deshaun Watson plays and the way that offensive line protects those two things don't marry up to him being healthy all year. And I think that would be the big concern for Houston. Whereas for the Jacksonville Jaguars. This was a game we debated quite heftily going into the week. A great win for them against the Broncos, particularly considering that it required a a, a come from behind a victory with uh, with ninety seconds left on the clock. The, yeah, uh, with I, the, which, which carry on, Ali, you go next. Well, it was a massive statement, I actually think, for the Jags because they struggle going on the road. Going up into Mile High is always going to be difficult. Joe Flacco and uh, Cortland Sutton looked like they had a little bit going on, and then suddenly the Jags come back, and I really liked Doug Marone's persistence with the run game. Fournette goes for over 200 yards, but they were running the ball when they were still two scores away, two scores down in the second half. All right, it was an an amazing play from Gardner Minshew uh, to get the go-ahead touchdown anyway, but... I think it was all built on the foundation of that run game. It was it was anti Matt Nagy. That's what it was. Yeah, I think I think that's a really like I hadn't really thought about that, but it's a great point. And 
it flies in the face of the modern analytics world that we live in that you have to pass to set up the run and 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 I subscribe to a lot of that. I mean, I, I see instances in Seattle, Chicago, where that doesn't happen enough. You know, where, sorry, in Seattle where it does happen enough, but then instances in Chicago where it almost goes too far the other way. And 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 I would I would agree with that. I mean, it it, it, it one it protects Minshew. Two, you're on the road. Three, there was a 22 mile an hour wind in the place as well. But yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I I think that we're getting to the point now with analytics where it's almost like. If you don't follow it blindly, then you're the idiot. And and again, it's similar to what we were saying about the Raiders. There is a middle ground between analytics and traditional old school football thinking. And 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 yeah, I like that. I mean, I liked it when Belichick was asked in midweek about analytics on fourth down calls, and he said they play no part. Now people can say that that they don't believe him. I happen to think Bill Belichick thinks I know enough about football I'm going to make that decision based on my gut feeling at the time and not whether as he said himself somebody converted it in 1970 and that throws into the numbers you know what I mean and and yeah I think that's I think that's a great point and it brings me on to my can I I just mention can I oh yeah is it going to be about the Broncos it is yeah all right I'll let it go then go on which is the Denver Broncos, who I thought were going to be good, I still would stick with Vic Fangio after this year, regardless of what happens. I can make the case that they've lost four games by, I think it was 23 points, Will, when we were chatting mm-hmm. about it last night. But at the end of the day, good teams finish games. That is the hallmark of a good team. And they were they were robbed in one of the four, admittedly, but they do not finish games. And they don't finish games because... The one frustration about this Broncos love that I had is having to support Joe Flacco, who I've never been a fan of. And you don't finish games with a quarterback who throws interceptions where, watching it back, I still have no idea who he was trying to pass the ball to. And and you don't finish games if your defence can't get off the field against Gardner Minshew. And as much as I love Minshew, I loved him in college. On the road, in an environment where Denver basically always win at the start of the season, they should have got the job done this week. And I can't find the stats, but... Noah Fant, their first draft pick, <laughs> right? The amount of penalties that that bloke gives away, it's ridiculous, and they seem to be persisting. They had some some serviceable tight ends in that building, and they go and spend a first-round pick where it could have gone elsewhere on a bloke who now looks a bit of a liability. All right, he's catching... Oh, I like, no, Mate, I like Noah Fant. 25-yard touchdown was absolute magic, and I, I think, you know, those hicks will go out of his game, Ooh, hopefully. So many, well hicks, so many the, hicks, so many hicks. It was bad. The the problem is with the Broncos' offense is that you look at the two touchdown drives in the first half. They're reliable on the big catch and run from Noah Fan and the big Philip Lindsay run on that ridiculous two play touchdown drive. But then the next one, big catch and run from Manuel Sanders, Royce Freeman getting a big pickup on the ground. It's all kind of big chunk plays. It's not. It's it's not kind of rhythm it's not something where they're building slow drives whereas actually you look at that field goal drive um not the one at the end of the game but the one that took seven minutes off the clock to put the jag six points up 13 plays 78 yards seven minutes i just don't think that's something the broncos can do right now but at least their defense turned up in this game five sacks finally uh finally answering the call to vic fangio they're gonna get wins this season they're gonna turn this around a bit but they're definitely not mm contenders in any way shape or form even for a playoff berth i've got something i i yeah you go Ollie. i've got I'll, sorry I'll... sorry Shezza. i've got something that um that, that i was wrong about uh, at the beginning of the season and i continue Ooh, I, have to... I continue to be wrong about and i that... uh, i just spoke out loud for for no reason then sorry was, uh, that was literally me spurting a thought out loud <laughs> wow uh, that's, that's incredible i said that the afc north Whenever these teams play against each other, it's going to be tight. It's going to be scrappy. That's that's how it they roll. That's how it's been for years and years. Maybe we're seeing the end of that. The way that um, the way that the Pittsburgh Steelers are giving up points. The way that the Cincinnati Bengals seem to be looking all right on offense, and Cleveland Browns scoring forty points in Baltimore, and the Baltimore Ravens still getting twenty five. It's just a ridiculous game. That Browns defense is really good. I know they did give up 25 points in the end, but kind of they're quietly going about their business. And and 
we'll get on to the offensive side of the ball and what they've finally managed to, to build the offense around Nick Chubb, whose who's cutting is absolutely filthy. <laughs> yeah. But I think Steve Wilkes is putting together a really nice unit on that other side of the ball through every through every level. And, and I thought they were really, really impressive against the Raiders. I'm really happy, really happy for Wilkes as well. I mean, you know... Ridiculous that he was elevated to being a head coach so quickly. Went into a situation that was both a train wreck and he himself wasn't ready for. But it's nice to see him bouncing back as a DC in a different place, having done a nice job in, in Carolina. And I, I'll tell you one thing I thought. I thought that the Ravens' back end of their defence would... that Earl Thomas would represent an upgrade on Eric Weddle. Now, the issue to me with, with the Ravens and their defence is... You know, communication is such a big part of a secondary. And Weddle so obviously had that system down and was, you know, you'd watch him before the snap and he's getting guys in position. He's, he's doing all those things. And Thomas, it just doesn't look like it's there yet. And, and that, I mean, that Ravens defence in the last two weeks has been horrific. It hasn't just been, you know, because it's the Baltimore Ravens, we think their defence is going to be good. With I mean, I'm a big fan of their coordinator in, in Wink Martindale as well. But... It's been awful. And then we saw the secondary problems manifest themselves in them struggling against the run this week as well. And, you know, for the, for this whole Ravens philosophy around Lamar Jackson to work with, you know, it's still largely going to be running game, certainly later in the season. And the odd shot downfield to Hollywood Brown and uh, Miles Boykin, who had a, a nice day, actually, another rookie wide receiver. The defence needs to be really good, otherwise it all falls apart. This whole style of football is predicated on having a good defence. And and if Baltimore don't get that fixed, they won't even make the playoffs. Never mind be a contender in the AFC. Like, they will not make the playoffs if they don't get that fixed. It was atrociously bad. Against an offence, you know, great win for the Browns, but that offence has looked like one of the worst in terms of coaching and schematics in football over the first three weeks. And they might have turned the corner, but... It might also just be a product of going against an incredibly poor defensive unit. I actually think the lack of pass rush from the Ravens is also a problem because, you know, we've talked a lot about this Browns offensive line and they just didn't put enough pressure on Baker Mayfield. They didn't stop the run enough. So it's more a line rather than just a pass rush issue. You know, for this very up and down Browns team, it's a high right now. They could easily go into San Francisco on Monday night football next week. And as long as, you know, the 49ers get a little bit going on offense with that, defensive line looking as good as it has for the 49ers they could shut down the run game and, and Baker Mayfield could have another rough week this this might be the Browns whole season this could be an eight and eight year where they just go flop between brilliance and like horror week in week out and I think one of the things that we forget in the off season when we're playing fantasy football with these free agent pickups the guys who leave the guys who stay is is just looking at it in totality you know that Baltimore defense is very complex to play in because it literally is all about disguise and doing different things with the amoeba fronts at the line of scrimmage. And it's exactly what New England do. But New England have the most veteran defence in the league and have kept that group together completely this year. Baltimore have lost Terrell Suggs, uh, CJ Mosley and Eric Weddle. The three heartbeats in terms of communication at all three levels. So it's no surprise that they're having the issues. But, it, you know, we didn't identify that before the season because... You kind of ignore that element of, of it at times. You know, we can look at players and think, oh, well, he's a better player. But how how important is he to the communication and all those things? And, and I think that's that's a big void in that Baltimore defence at the moment. Um, do you want me to give another one? I'm ready to give another yeah, one. do it. I'm ready yeah. to continue to admit my sins. Um, the Los Angeles Rams will bounce back from the Super Bowl with ease. <laughs> I genuinely thought with the coaching they had, with the defensive core they had, and when I say coaching, not just Sean McVay, but obviously Son of Bum on the other side of things, um, I, I thought that they would come back and, and look good from day one. They've had great moments this season, but they've just... They got torn apart by a Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense, which I can't I can't figure the Bucks out because actually they're a missed an easy missed field goal away from being three and one. But, and they were competitive against the 49ers in week one, which looks better now than it did then. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does, and it does for the yeah, 49ers might have actually beat a good team there, but they couldn't get going on offense then. They couldn't really get going on offense against the Panthers and and kind of scraped one there. But this Rams team have shut teams down in recent weeks. They've been great on defense and they just disappeared on Sunday. 
Ollie, we, I mean, we didn't predict it in this game, but I kind of saw, I didn't see this coming because it was such a ludicrous game. But a, a, kind of a big unexpected defeat was 100% in the, in the, on the cards. I mean, they've rode, they've rode via their defence in the first three weeks. Mm. I mean, it's interesting to me. You know, last week I said that I thought Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins were, were the same quarterback. I think Jared Goff and Marcus Mariota are the same quarterback <laughs> in that if you can shut down the core of their offense, which is the running game, and make them drop back in on third down, you were going to give them real problems. I mean, the thing with Goff now, for a guy earning $130 million, and this was a problem you know, in that dreadful first season under Jeff Fisher, he still doesn't see underneath coverage. And we saw it in the Super Bowl when Hightower should have picked him off and, and a couple of other players before his, his eventual interception. And, and my one was going to be that not just could the Rams bounce back, I thought Sean McVeigh would reinvent this offence a little bit in the off-season because mm-hmm. New England so patently exposed the flaws in it, which again is, if you can get them to third down, they're in big trouble. And and we haven't seen that. And, and, and this is a test for McVeigh now because is he going to be the next Bill Belichick, which is a guy who has this amazing football knowledge and can therefore reinvent things year to year, in, in Belichick's case, completely? Or is he going to be a great coach with a great scheme, a la Mike Shanahan, whose scheme he essentially runs? Like, and, and I think that's a question that we need to ask because you've got to look. I said last night in our WhatsApp group, Goff has the best three-person three um, three wide receiver core in the NFL. I think Cooper Cup is bordering on elite as a wide receiver. His route running's insane. Mm. Brandon Cooks is one of the fastest wide receivers in football. You know, great compliment to Cup and... Robert Woods, and that those two as just possession receivers are great. I like their tight ends. Their offensive line is a problem this year, which it hasn't been previously, and I think that is the core of all the issues. But, you know, the Rams are not going to have a team as talented as they have now ever again with Jared Goff at quarterback. And that's a concern for me. I have, I have shouts for, there's a couple of other teams to, to shout for on the, on the great wide receiver thing. When the Chiefs get Tyree Kill back, and oh, with yeah. the two rookies who are performing in Merkley Harbour and Tobias Robinson, that could end up being absolutely ridiculous. And actually, we're talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Chris Godwin uh, yeah. is a guy who I've been a big, big fan of for a while. As a one-two, though, that's pretty insane. I know you're saying a three-wide receiver core. There are some other good ones out there, but yeah, you're not wrong. It's uh, it's an embarrassment of riches that they should be doing more with. And it's really frustrating when literally after you went on your Jared Goff rant, there was a th- there was a third down throw about two plays later where he just hit the most insanely tight window, perfectly thrown in front of the receiver. It was a beautiful throw. And you're just going, how can you do that? But then be so erratic the rest of the game. I think what you, what you notice with Goff is, when you get him into those uncomfortable situations, it, I can't think of another quarterback where I can watch him and I can almost see the, the panic and the cogs turning. Like, you can physically see it happening in front <laughs> of your eyes. And that's... Uh, this whole Rams regime now is potentially going to die on two terrible contract decisions. The one to Gurley, who, uh, frankly, I just don't think is ever going to be the same again. And, and they should have seen that coming because he had the knee issues in college. And then this one to Goff, there is, I again remember discussed it with you, Ollie. I think these decision makers in the modern era have to be, particularly if you've got Sean McVeigh as coach, they just have to be more, a lot braver with these quarterbacks who are in that middle tier. And it's the, it's the question the Cowboys have got to ask now with Dak. Although I think Dak is a level above Goff, but I can see the arguments both ways. And you know, I, I would have, I would have backed Sean McVeigh to get a better quarterback than Jared Goff. Can we also give Ollie just a bit more praise as well uh, when he said about the idea with the Jags sticking with the run? They ran the ball eleven times in this game and had sixty-eight pass attempts. I know that you're down, but you're at home with time on the clock and supposedly a good running game. I, Maybe I didn't see their offensive line falling off a cliff in the way that it has. But yeah, not 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 a good performance, it's fair to say. Ollie, tee us up. Come on, you've got to have something at this point. Well, no, I'm just... I did. I did have something. I had the AFC North. Oh, you did do one. You did do one. That's fair. That's fair. But Sorry. I mean... Bad human being. I think... 
Do you want to, do you want to praise a team you hate like the Bears or something? No, I'm not doing that. What I'll do is that I did call. <laughs> I, I messaged you when it looked like potentially with the final drive of the of the game, the Buffalo Bills could could maybe have done the the, the unthinkable and beaten the the New England Patriots. And I was I said to you, do you know what? If they if they do this, I think it was the Ollie Hunter kiss of death. But if they do this. I might consider getting rid of the AFC disgrace moniker because one of those teams has beaten the New England Patriots. Of course, that didn't happen. Um, the ball was tipped up in the air from Donald and, and the eight, the Patriots ice the game. But that was a close game. It was a kind of a fun game to watch. I know there were some people... Do you know it was Tom Brady's worst statistical performance since 2006. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. At least yeah. won the game. I mean, it, it, it just shows the strength of, of, of that New England defence. I mean... The... He threw for 150, uh, 150 yards. He was 3.8 yards per completion. There's no uh, way the Bills should be losing that game of football. Uh, and, and the Bills are in a, in a weird situation for me where they've got... I keep saying it. I think they've got the next great NFL head coach. I, I think McDermott is is just brilliant. I really do. And and I was, this was a game I enjoyed so much because it was competitive, and because I am quite invested in the Bills as a team, even though they're in the division of the team that I support and their coach. You know, I love the Bills fan base. The Bills fan base, you know, I interviewed Bill Paulian about losing the the four Super Bowls in a row. He was there for three of them. And Paulian cried during the interview because he he recounted that when he won a Super Bowl in Indy, he got so many letters from Bills fans telling them how pleased they were for him and things like that. So I'm really invested in the fan base now because... It's a great story, and yeah. they've they've had so much bad luck in that in that era. And I now think they have a head coach. The problem is, I didn't think before the game, and I'm now certain that they don't have a quarterback. You know, Josh Allen is literally the same quarterback I watched at Wyoming. I have absolutely no idea why he was drafted in the first round. I said that at the time. I've seen so many guys like this who have this. Howitzer for an arm and can launch it 80 yards down. He's got... Howitzer? Howitzer, man. He's got the... <laughs> the north of the northeast Howitzer. Howitzer. <laughs> I'm saying, Howitzer, I went man. full Geordie there. Well, that, was, that was really weird. Completely went full Geordie, which I never, ever want to do again. Um, but he, he throws the ball further than any quarterback I've ever seen off his, off his back foot. Yeah. The issue is that... He throws it to opposing defensive players more than his own receivers. He's just not good. And and he's, he's going to hold the Bills back. And some love as well to Frank Gore, who was absolutely awesome. Oh. 15,000 yards. There's a, lot to li- there's a lot Friend to like about yeah. this Bills team. And, and I tell you what, they play the Titans this week, and they're exactly the kind of team who'll beat the Titans for the reason I said earlier, which is they'll shut down the running game and put Marcus Mariota in third downs. What did you think? Can we, uh, what give did you some love to? Uh, can we give some love to Matthew Slater, who I didn't realise until I was just looking him up, is the son of one of my favourite people that we've met on Radio <laughs> Row, Jackie Slater. Yeah, that's, that's genuinely news to me. And, and Slater, Slater is without question, and I always, I always interview him whenever there's an opportunity because he's without question the nicest guy I've ever interviewed. He is so such a nice guy. I'll tell you what yesterday was for for the Patriots. It was a great day for their potential um, questionable Hall of Fame candidates on the current roster. And Slater is one of them, by the way. You know, he is a four-time first-team All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowl. I'm aware he just plays special teams, but these numbers bear looking at. If the keyboard, he's been this year, he has been literally better than he's ever been. He barely practiced this year because they now just let him practice on his own on the side. That is the level of cachets build up with Bill Belichick I think he's a potential Hall of Fame candidate and 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 players like that help I don't know if you saw his play last week where he knocked one back in on the one yard line as well so good for him Devin McCourty is the other one who is going to be an interesting case when the Super Bowl comes round. in that he'll have he'll be the heartbeat of three maybe four maybe five Super Bowl teams by then and has got a, a couple of second team all pros I think three or four pro bowls but has now intercepted four passes in the opening four games of this season and and probably been as good as any safety in football. So there's a chance he gets a, a first-team All-Pro nod this year and those guys could be Hall of Famers because of that. 
Are we going to talk but about the late hit? The Patriots weren't brilliant. Yeah, we can. Yeah, because I, I mean, think uh, I think if that's Fonte's perfect, making exactly the same hit, it's just got a perfect number and name on the on the back of his jersey. Maybe even if it was if he was wearing a New England Patriots jersey, I think that he gets ejected for that hit. I mean, yeah, if it's perfect, but that again is. You know, you are a product of your own history, aren't you? I agree with that. For me, I, I can understand why they flagged it as a penalty, but for me, it was just completely a football play that happens. If you watch the play back, and particularly if you never get the, the all 22 of it, um, he is like a yard from the from the sticks for a first down. And he's six foot five and, and stooping down with his head. How are you meant to tackle him short of the sticks? The only way you can tackle him short of the sticks in that situation is to knock him backwards. So uh, you can see that Jones, and also that I thought Will Blackman made a great point on Sky. He very clearly is leading with his shoulder. He doesn't initiate any forward motion with his head as well. If you watch it closely, he's leading with his shoulder. He kind of just keeps his head where it is and stops his body as if to stop the impact and stop him getting to the sticks. I mean, for me, there was nothing dirty about it at all. And I'm not just saying that because he's a, he's a Patriots player. I'd, I just don't think it was a dirty hit. I think it was one that happens in, in in a football game. It's definitely a flag in the modern era. I completely agree with with a fifteen yard penalty there, but it's it's an unfortunate flag because I don't think there's there's necessarily intent there. Can I tell you something that Matthew Sherry got wrong? Yeah. Oh yes, please. <laughs> just to take shots while I can take shots. This I don't mean the Matthew Sherry got this wrong. I'm be, I'm being overly harsh when I say it that way. Um, but I'm imagining that this morning Sherry has I don't I don't know what games you've started to go back and watch yet or rewatch. But I got up this morning. I rewatched Sunday Night Football first because I fell asleep with the laptop on my belly in bed around midway through the second quarter. Um, but then the next game I rewatched was the Bears Vikings. I just didn't follow it at all at the time. And as much as I am willing to say that Kirk Cousins is not a great quarterback. Last night's performance was in no way on Kirk Cousins, unfortunately. When you watch the game back, it is one of the best, A, one of the best defensive performances, even from a Bears defense that we already love, that we've seen in a long time. Without Akeem Hicks, without Roquan Smith, they were absolutely obliterated, the Vikings. But this game is on Rick Spielman. It's on the offensive line. Mm. If you look at it, they only had two possessions in the first half. The first one, they went nine plays, and then Adam Thielen dropped an easy catch, which would have put them at least in field goal range. And then on the second... And then on the second drive, Stefan Diggs made a horrendous, horrendous fumble. I felt genuinely bad for Kirk Cousins when I watched it back because everyone this morning is going, well, he's clearly rubbish, isn't he? I'm not sure he's good enough to justify an $84 million contract. He might be right on the mean. But I tell you now, if Kirk Cousins is running the Bears offense this season, they're a proper Super Bowl contender. Well, I mean, it's a tricky one because the Vikings' offense in the two victories has looked so good and looked pretty good against the Packers in their in their first loss as well. I mean, you just you just went after Cousins in a massive way on the WhatsApp. Yeah, but it's just getting boring, isn't it? Like, you know, <laughs> I, I'm looking at one of the best defenses in football yet again. I'm looking at a, a team now with an offensive scheme that allows their running game through three weeks to be the best in the NFL, and then watching their quarterback seemingly be unable to throw the ball. 20 yards downfield to, and I'm aware Thielen Diggs had bad games yesterday, and you're right on that. But those are that is one of the best receiver combinations. I mean, it's a top 10 receiver combination in the NFL, isn't it? You know, there's he's got a very good catch, pass catching tight end, he's got a first round tight end as well. I mean, the, the, the offensive line's been a problem in Minnesota for a lot of years, but it doesn't help that they've got a quarterback who is unable to get the ball out of his hands quickly but then still wants to throw the ball short and can can hit deep balls i mean i just think i think that if you if you're looking for a problem that isn't Kirk cousins in minnesota you're looking in the wrong place he's he's the wrong he's the wrong quarterback for that system with the with going run heavy they just need somebody he's he sits in the pocket too long he's a gunslinger type and it's just he doesn't fit that system i think that Which Kirk cousins can be it should have been a match made in heaven. His biggest supporter in professional football is is Mike and Carl Shanahan. I mean, that is the offense that they run. And it, for me, this should have, this season I was ready to see Cousins again because it should work. I mean, I think he's he's perfect for that system. He should be perfect for that system. They drafted him in Washington for that reason, and 
yeah, I just I just think ultimately the issue is that he he isn't quite good enough, and it kills the Vikings who. You know, I mean, they've got such a they've got such a good team outside of that. I mean, they are literally. I tell you what, if I was the Vikings, I would I would call if it goes on, I would call the Jaguars and and if Minshew Mania continues, see if you can get Nick Foles in the building for the last Chase uh, week's season. Chase Daniels outplaying Mitchell Trubisky is just hilarious. Um, there's a few games we haven't talked about yet. We haven't talked Saints Cowboys. Uh, we haven't talked uh, Giants uh, Washington. Uh, we haven't talked. There's at least one other one I know that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, we haven't talked about Chargers Dolphins if we even need to. Uh, and uh, Seahawks Cardinals. So, Ollie, are there any of those that you'd like to. At this point, you could probably say if there's something that you were right about. Kyler Murray, I'm right about. Kyler Murray is not good enough to play. He's not tall enough to play in the NFL. I'm sorry, guys. I genuinely think that the Arizona Cardinals won't win a game. The Miami Dolphins will accidentally win one and they will end up with the first pick in the 2020 draft and pick two of Tiger Lope. They could take... Wouldn't that be... Three so funny. Three years would be amazing. Honestly, they... And Kyler Murray will go back to baseball because I'm telling you, he is not an NFL player. It, it's just not working. The interception um, pick six to Jadavian Clowney, where Clowney just bats it. He sees that a tiny human being is trying to throw a ball over six foot five him. He bats his hand up in the air, catches it and runs it back in. That is Kyler Murray's NFL career in one play. I'm sorry, he's gone. My, um, my, my favourite storyline from last night was that whilst the, 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 the evening games, the nine o'clock kickoffs, two of them got interesting towards the end, but midway through, they were all not great games. And it's as if Sherry got bored and just decided to bait Cardinals fans on the gridiron Twitter. And it was a glorious and wonderful thing to see. I mean, but the other thing I got wrong is not realising how many British Cardinals fans there were. I mean, it's a, it's a passionate <laughs> crowd. I mean, for, for, for me, I'm not judging Kyler Murray until I see him under a head coach who has any credentials. And this was the point of the argument on Twitter last night, to be an NFL head coach. I mean, I still find the king... I, I find it staggering that no that nobody talks as much as they should about the Cliff Kingsbury hire. It is borderline malpractice to hire the guy. <laughs> it's in, insane. Absolutely insane. We, we are talking about a guy in Kaim who hasn't drafted particularly well in recent years, Dreadfully. had a drink driving issue recently, and has hired a head coach, which is probably the worst hire of the They're season. an absolute I mean, dumpster it's fire. It's 35 and 40 at Texas Tech, who, as Will pointed out in this argument, were better than before he got there. And at Texas Tech, he had the NFL's current MVP as his quarterback for many years. A guy who we think is so transcendent to talent that he could quite easily end up being one of, if not the greatest quarterback of all time by the end of his career. That is how good that he looks right now. And this is the guy you've employed. And and then, I, I, I mean, it's not it's not Cliff Kingsbury's fault that the offense, that his, his big calling card is averaging 18.18.5 points a game. And it will be a lot less than that. We're enough for a fourth quarter in week one against the Lions, who clearly weren't conditioned for fourth qu- four quarters in week one. It's just, it's just ludicrous. And also another great performance by Russell Wilson in that game, who... Despite a supporting cast that leaves a lot to be desired, and a guy who, outside of Kingsbury, is probably the worst offensive coach in football as his coordinator, continues to shine. That's harsh on Kingsbury. I do think he's a good offensive mind for the Cardinals fans who would get their knickers in a twist at that, but he's got no credentials to be an NFL head coach, and it's going about as I expected so far. <laughs> I did enjoy that. And yet, Russell Wilson, again, ridiculous. I, I stand by it. That's a, a team without him that wins four games five games but he just transcends and elevates and it's ridiculous how good he is Rid- like ridiculous ridiculous i'm not saying ollie's wrong either by the way on murray i mean it's a it's a it's a legit debate but i just don't think i, I want to judge it until i'm judging until him until now more talent around him. i'm judging him now I, I like the guy's gone podcast should be, podcast should be about <laughs> snap judgments because we get to do it every week and can change our minds so. 100 <laughs> percent. next week it will be what were you wrong about in this season as kyler murray throws for 400 <laughs> yards and six down. touchdowns literally <laughs> we, i mean stuff. we can say anything there will be people wondering why we're releasing this show on a Monday instead of a Tuesday. It's because I think Monday Night Football should be cancelled tonight because I don't <laughs> want to watch Steelers Bengals that badly. Sorry, never, I completely forgot there was Monday Night Football. 
It's that bad a but game. But it's going to end up being an absolute classic, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to end up yeah. a Mason Rudolph four sure touchdowns. Not, we're not talking about it unless Mike Tomlin gets fired afterwards. I'm not interested. Uh, Daniel Jones uh, goes two and two in the uh, in the NFL. Dwayne Haskins had a after a f- good first drive. I will give him that. It was a good first drive when he got introduced. He completed two of four passes. It's not very much fun as well. <laughs> he, made, he made a couple of good rushes as well, though, in that same drive. Uh, it's not a game hugely worth talking about, though. These are two teams who are already irrelevant at this point in the season. Uh, the Chargers beat the Dolphins as they should have done. They did again a little bit slow to do so. The Dolphins' lack of uh, second half adjustments and points and first downs and just the way that they've performed in second half of games. If anything is proof that they are tanking, it should be that essentially at halftime, they appear to be going, guys, you're playing too competitively. Can you just, <laughs> can you just rein it in a bit, please? Um, and then Sunday night football. That's the last game we need to talk about. Isn't the NFC wide bloody open at this point? Because nobody thought this game was going to be 12-10 and it was a thrilling 12-10, which I think a lot of people wouldn't necessarily expect. And it's the, the two defences and the balance of these two teams. If either of these teams were in the Super Bowl, it would be a great Super Bowl. Well, it couldn't happen. I, I, I'm i not sure that it is. I'm not sure the NFC is wide oh. open. Uh, I think the Saints are the class of the NFC by a reasonable margin now. Um you know, I looked at the schedule and thought that the Breeze injury was really going to hurt them. But if anything, it massively enhances their chances of winning the Super Bowl because they've gone 2-0 and without them. And most importantly, the biggest issue to me facing New Orleans was, was how badly Breeze faded down the stretch last season. And he did. I mean, he was terrible towards the end of the year. He was really poor in the AFC, in the NFC Championship game. And, and that gets overlooked because of the way that game ended. But it wasn't a great performance for Breeze. This is the dream scenario. I mean, the winning games without him and their defence looks incredible. Another guy who... Lot, there were a lot of guys last night who've been head coaches who put themselves back in the shop window. Dennis Allen, who was employed way too young in Auckland, is on that list with you know Chuck Pagano and people like that. This was a great defensive coach and performance, and it's easy to give the credit to Sean Payton, but what he, what he did last night is... You know, Kellen Moore was the talk of the NFL. I thought I thought that Allen had a beat on every type of play that the Cowboys were going to run. You know, we saw a lot of blitzes against the run, always in the right places. I just thought it was an absolute clinic by by Dennis Allen. And if he continues to coach like that, when Brees comes back and, and supercharges this offense again, watch out, because that is, you know, that is a really well-rounded football team. And, and you avoid the issue of Breeze fading down the stretch because yeah. you've, you're, you've essentially given him a, a five, six-week break in the middle of the season. I, 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 the Saints, to me right now, are massive favourites in the NFC. And the only team... I, the Cowboys are one of the teams I think could, be, could beat them at the end of the year. But watch out, because if they're at home as well, in that dome... In the playoffs, they're they're going to be a really really tough out if Breeze is, is Breeze hasn't kind of worn towards the end of the year. I mean, you're absolutely ignoring the fact that the only undefeated teams left in the NFL include one from the NFC, the San Francisco 49ers. Absolutely, buddy, and and the quarterback is what what is Garoppolo now? It is he's he's on course to be like fourteen and two as a regular season. <laughs> uh, oh wow, he hasn't looked like a fourteen and two quarterback, has he? <laughs> um, All right, Rainy. Did we did we forget to talk about the um the Chiefs and Lions? No, yeah, we did. Yeah, one of the best games of the week. I think we did. Uh, did we not? I thought we talked about it. I, I genuinely we thought we talked about the Lions in no. my head. It was one of my things. One of my things was what I was wrong about this week. The Lions are a dreadful football team. Was that that thing no, that you, you, Even you spoke out loud, where you had your thought out loud and yeah, just yeah, it but was. you then conti- that you continued it, and then you remembered that you'd actually sp- we'd spoken about it on the pod when we actually hadn't. <laughs> God, what's wrong with me? You're a mess. Um, The best thing about this game from a Chiefs perspective is that Pat Mahomes wasn't very good. And yet, 
they scored 34 points. He didn't have a, a passing touchdown in this game and still had, what, like 400-odd yards? <laughs> it wasn't his best game, and they still scored 34 points. It's ridiculous. And, and delivered a game-winning drive. I mean, you know, you can't complain at that. I am... This this sums up the frustration that I had with Matt Patricia for many years. This game, you see, you see so many good things from Patricia. First of all, showing up how to beat the Rams' de- uh, offense last year that, that that had roots in a game that the Rams played against Detroit. They've been superb on defense basically all year, um, apart from the fourth quarter against Arizona. They were without their best cornerback yesterday in Darius Slay, and yet still shut down Pat Mahomes, who I think was not for eight throwing the ball downfield in the game yesterday, which for Mahomes is is truly staggering. But then in big calls, except for the Atlanta Super Bowl where he got a couple really right, in the big calls, in the big moments, and we saw it on fourth down in the, the Super Bowl against the Eagles the next year, he just gets it wrong, often by not being aggressive enough. And then there's a fourth and eight in the fourth quarter of this game, and I think it was like a two or three man rush Mahomes gets away, 15-yard pickup with his legs. And that sums up Matt Patricia. He needs four to learn. Eight, yeah. But there are there's some really good signs. I mean, I think that I think there are a couple of injuries away, particularly on offense from struggling. But in the main, they've got a very good defense. I think Trey Flowers had his best game for the Lions in this game, which is important as well, because he's the big money guy on the front now. And yeah, I mean, they're just a good team. They should be. Well, again, they could have been on three or three at all last week. So their their current record is probably about right. Um, but I think that they have a chance in a very, very tough division. I'm fascinated to see them in some of these upcoming divisional games. And, and Matt Stafford as well. You can't... Bad hip. That was a really great performance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've been critical of Stafford. And this ultimately... When we look at Stafford, we always look at that record against winning teams, which is atrocious. And this this adds to that as a negative mark. But actually, this this was a positive performance. For, for a, that, but... a little shout out to the officials as well, because we slander them most of the time. Walt Anderson's crew not blowing the play dead when Brashad Breeland returned that touchdown 100 yards uh, for that fumble return. That was the sort of position where we so often see it, where defensive players are running away and they start blowing up and you just go... Well, why aren't you letting that play out and then checking it again? I after? think it was the same. Let a touchdown was happen. Game, wasn't it as well? Who did it in that Saints Rams game? Right, that rounds us up because Ollie's telling us we've got to go. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we'll have the NFL 100 pod coming this week. We will have the College pod. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no. Coming this week, and then obviously we'll we'll review Thursday night football and preview uh, the weekend's games on Friday. Uh, Thursday night football this week is. Uh, oh, Seahawks Rams. That's a really tasty yeah, game. Yeah, it's a Rams lost this weekend. Uh, ooh, and um, Monday Night Football doesn't exist this week. So, no <laughs> oh, next there. week. <laughs> oh, you calm yourself down. Monday Night Football next week. Browns 49ers is going to oh, be a banger. That's not a really interesting game. Sorry, I thought it was the week when there's, there's a Patriots game against some Patsy coming up, isn't there? In a Patriots up. Jets week seven. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant stuff, Ollie. Thank you for uh, keeping off the the wolves while you do, while you could. Uh, great stuff, Sherry. Thank you for listening. This has been the Gridiron Show. Well done, lads. Got to go. Cheers, brother. Uh, yeah. Can you put it in my folder? But can you also send it to me, please? Yep. Yep. Yep.